0: For those of you that have watched the previous episodes I'm uh on a 75 day uh hard challenge so today's day 74 so Saturday um Saturday will be uh probably drunk off two beers I don't know but yeah, say it'll, so. it'll be
1: a cheap date
0: <laughs> <laughs> in this week's
2: episode, the Dork's Talk with Todd Grossweiler. Nika's Innovator of the Year for 2023, about innovation on the electrical side, and how Allison Smith is taking innovation into their own hands when it comes to app development and cultivating innovation. It's a great talk, so sit back, relax, and enjoy.
3: And we're live, episode 66, Innovation with a Spark. We're continuing our MEP Innovation Award winners with our electrical. If you didn't get the joke, well, you're probably tuning into the wrong show right now. So just, <laughs> or the right one. <laughs> or the right one, right? Yeah. We have Todd Grossweiler with us this morning, evening. I don't know what time it is. Why do we say times on podcasts? I don't know when you're listening to this. This has been a great day. I am a little bit loopy and i think i'm going to continue to be that way i'm going to go to jonathan marsh yeah that's right if you're watching in i just pointed in both directions jonathan marsh what you drinking what you doing how you feeling i am feeling awesome and i
2: am trying wise man's bourbon tonight cuz i tried their rye and i was surprised cuz like the price point's not that bad so like i'm like this can't be that good it's pretty good um and 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 my goal might be be to to get slightly loopy Jeff, because it's been a long day for me too. So I'm, I'm happy to have a bourbon, spend some time with, with Mr. Todd. But before we get there, Trent, what, what are you, uh, drinking today?
0: Well, it's a, it's a, it's a Coke zero. so a zero Cal variety of a Coca-Cola product. Um, for those of you that have watched the previous episodes, I'm, uh, on a 75 day uh, hard challenge. So today's day 74. So Saturday, um, Saturday will be uh, probably drunk off two beers. I don't know. I but yeah, say, it'll so. be
1: a cheap date.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, with two days left, I'm hardly gonna hardly gonna break the streak now. So oh. Coke zero it is. How about you, Travis?
1: Um, well, I am following your lead from the last episode. Um, I have to go stand out in the sun here shortly, so um, sadly, Todd, I gotta. I'll duck out while you're probably saying something brilliant. Um, we but, can listen uh, later. I can listen later. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, I've got um, some girls that are going to their league tournament next week, so we could go practice them up. But um, so I'm drinking some nice cold clear water. There you go. Uh, Jeff, you got anything to drink? You didn't. You didn't you got, hit your drink.
3: You got that high quality H 20 high quality H two O. Well, I think Jonathan for the first time is going to be uh, outnumbered by the non alcoholic versions. So I'm sparkling water. Um, I'm training again as well, so going to try and relive my Iron Man dreams, round number five. Right on. And uh, so, uh, yeah. I'm I'm enjoying that that right now, and I'm so I'm gonna try and get out and get on a ride and uh, to our boy Brett Young, I'm coming for you, baby. I compete with him all the time on the watch. So if y'all don't know about
4: that one, hit me up on the side. We'll talk. Todd, what do you got, man? So I am drinking a Dewar Scotch mixed with coconut water. Oh wow, oh. nice.
1: Right it's-, it's
4: a refreshing drink. My uh, in-laws are from Trinidad and Tobago, and they got me hooked on it uh, years ago when I started. For stating my wife.
3: It really wow. goes with your virtual background. Doesn't
4: it does. it? I,
1: I, <laughs> it does.
3: I'm all in
4: for the theme, so I,
3: I want to be on the beach with Todd right now. When I'm done with this, I am
4: gonna try. It. So it's a doers and yeah, a just coconut Regular water. plain old doers, nothing fancy, and just uh yeah. coconut water like you'd buy from Costco or the grocery store. I got it on ice. It's about Maybe one-third uh, scotch to two-thirds. I mean, actually, honestly, mine's probably more half and half. But <laughs> That's about right for this show. It's about
1: right. Yeah, that's yeah, about right.
4: There aren't a lot of mixed scotch
2: drinks, man. And, no. and when you go to conference, they won't give you straight sometimes. So, you know, you're doing a public service announcement. If you have scotch behind the bar, they won't give it to you straight. Use a little coconut
4: water and there, we can get away go. with these things. And I Ask them asked, for- at most conferences i go to almost none of them have had coconut water so i have thought about bringing my own i, I would say that's <laughs> one where you got to be like hey man i know you got it in the back somewhere if you're not going to it to me straight you
3: better go get it right yeah, right on and then watch the line form so uh well so mep innovation you got the electrical innovation of the year award. Tell us a little bit about kind of what that meant to you, but then also, you know, some of the things you've been up to
4: that that led to it. Uh, it was a big deal for me. Um, I did not expect it at all. Tahira and group did a very good job of keeping it um, to the side. And, you know, the the previous year's innovation conference, they had asked me to announce the, you know, Jared Chrisman is the, the winner that year and did not ask me at this last one to announce something. So I wondered if something was going on, but I, I still, I didn't think that, that there's a lot of, so many good people that could have won the award. I, I was humbled to get it. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me that helped me get it is my willing to participate in just about everything. But mm-hmm. um, I, I heard some of what Doug Smith was saying in, in his podcast with y'all. And he obviously doing a lot of cool technology things but very much so on the people side too and I think most of my focus on innovation is flowing around dealing with the people and processes sprinkling in a little bit of technology as it's coming available.
2: Hey Todd this is the first time you've been on the show can you give the audience just a little bit of background uh, about you and about
4: Allison Smith and kind of what you do over there? Sure uh, so I've I, work for the Allison Smith Company. We're a commercial electrical contractor based in the Atlanta area, but we do work all over the country if the client is right and the job is right. Um, I have been there for 24 years now. Uh, I'm currently one of the executive vice presidents and uh, am looking to retire there at some point in my career, but I've still got some time left in me, so. But it's, it's been a great ride, great company, uh, great people, which makes doing the hard work and construction more fun.
2: Yeah. So you guys know, the first time I um, I saw Todd and they were talking about him was because he was wearing tights. Um, <laughs> so he, he is he is one of the unique vice presidents um, in the electrical field. Uh, in his uh, what do you what do you say? Like your 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 willingness to take part in 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 fun. Shenanigans.
4: Yeah, <laughs>
1: Shenanigans. I mean there might be some Shenanigans video Shenanigans is evidence. a
2: perfect word. Yes.
1: There might be some video evidence of that out there. Isn't there
4: there yeah. is. And uh, don't y'all worry, there will be more video evidence this year.
1: <laughs> oh awesome. You heard it here first. You heard that's yeah. right. <laughs> Breaking news. I uh,
0: I kind of want to stay on the on the point of the people thing because we've hit on that really early, Todd. Uh you mentioned that. And you know, like and we we talked about that with Doug, but it's like And through, you know, where I've worked in consulting, seeing different contractors, you know, it's become evident to me that the ones who are doing really cool things, when you go there, you notice the chemistry, the people you, 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 you see it. So, um, I guess as a way to help some of them out there, what are, you know, is one, is that part of like your innovation plan, you know, working on the, working on the people, working on the culture? Um. And I guess, you know, what are some of the things that that you've done, or even Alice Smith as a uh, as a whole there at the company that's helped foster, you know, the um, the culture and the chemistry that that you need with all those people to to even allow anything to be innovative, to even allow the tech in.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I early in in my career, and probably even while I was in college, in foundation from my parents came to believe that you surround yourself with good people and good things will happen. Well, I fell into construction with Allison Smith. Uh, an electrical engineering degree from Georgia Tech had no idea construction was an opportunity for a degree to electrical engineer. Uh, long story short, they called me up, offered me a, a chance to interview and ended up offering me the job. Um, when I first started working for the company, uh, project manager with the general contractor said, you know what, Todd? you." He picked a good one and it didn't take me long to figure out that there were a lot of good people in the company uh, that helped mentor me as I grew up to where I am now. From a standpoint of it, it, is it part of our innovation plan? It It's part of our culture plan, which supports our innovation. Uh, you know, we, we focus a lot on the things that we do to make a, a good working environment, both for our office staff and our field staff, Our core values are led by care. That's our first one, top of the list. So things we can do to make sure that people feel at home, even though we're not a family-run business, we kind of feel like a family-run business.
1: And I would say, um, as I think I'm the only one on this call that had the opportunity as part of the MCA Tech Committee to go down and visit with you while we were um, planning the next MEP Innovations um, it is very apparent um, going through your facilities, see, meeting a lot of your people. Kazir, um, can you kind of recap some of that visit for our listeners? For those of those um, that couldn't see it, I mean, you, you you had a modular facility that was pretty cool. Um, you are, which I think is probably pretty unique on the electrical side still. Um, if you could, and uh, you know, dig into some of that and some of the stuff that we got to talk uh, look look at and talk about over there.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Allison Smith's evolved a lot. In, in our 80-year history. This year is our 80th year. Um, at my time here, it's grown leaps and bounds like most things in, in the world have over the last 20 years. But uh, we, we started by dipping our toes into off-site prefabrication. You know, prefabrication is not a new concept. Um, most people in construction would prefab things on-site, you know, without thinking that's what it was. So there was a, a push to get that and play first. Um, like most people that dive into that, there were struggles to get in the field side to buy and thinking we were taking away jobs from the people in the field. But once they realized that it was actually a benefit to them, it became a much easier sales pitch. Uh, also use it as a great training ground for new employees coming into the industry. Most people that were hiring as apprentices now didn't work with their mothers and fathers in trades. And my da- they might not even know what a screwdriver is. So having an opportunity to run them through our prefab shop to learn some of the ins and outs of the things they'll be seeing when they're out on the job sites has, has been a real benefit too. In the last few years, uh, we've decided to open up a modular construction shop. Uh, you know, we We work on a lot of hyperscale data centers, and some of the projects that we've done have these modules that are built by other people and we're helping to install them. So it was kind of a logical step for us. This works one of our major scopes of work that we always do, let's let's look into it. Definitely a big capital expense, but we've done a few projects already uh, with great success, have a lot more irons in the fire and are looking to expand into the next building for modular construction. Mm-hmm.
2: You, you know uh, Todd, the last time I talked to you um, I, I, uh, you showed off a little app that you were doing in a house and um, I don't don't really need you to talk too much about that app but you guys have started to say, hey we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and start look start looking at building our own solutions And you know what I saw that you produced I, I honestly would love to to tell about three other people, hey listen, this is what you've been asking for. they just built it over there. Mm -hmm. um so what made you guys decide to to take it upon yourself to build a solution um and you know tell us as much about the solution as you can without you know revealing your whatever you consider secret sauce
4: sure the 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 first thing i'll say is the the mission statement analysis Smith is we build problem solvers so finding solutions to things is kind of in our wheelhouse uh this journey has been a little more difficult because it's in a, an area that we don't have a lot of expertise. We've hired, started with third party resources to do development, ended up bringing some in-house people that have stabilized what we were doing. We still feel good about the direction and we're, and we're doing active testing right now, close to full-on production. Uh, but we we find that a lot. Um, there's a plenty of people that are willing to sell you something. A lot of them have really cool products, but don't do exactly what we need. So in this case, we found one thing that was going to be a a large immediate payback that we needed done exactly the way we wanted it done for it to work. And it made sense for us to head down this road. There are other things out there that completely make more sense for us to say, all right, well, this product's pretty cool. It doesn't do exactly what we need, but it's still worth it. Um, Your uh, talk you gave at this year's MEP Innovation conference about treating your software like an employee. That that really resonated with me, and uh, I think about that a lot when I'm investigating. All right, well, well, what will this employee bring to me if I go ahead and bring this software in?
2: Yeah. Or should you homegrown an
4: employee? You know, and that's yeah. what, that's what you're doing now. I, yeah, I, I think I, uh, along that lines too. Where once we get through this one, there'll probably be some other things we we add to our internal app development. But there, there's always going to be other things that are more readily available, faster to get, that still produce value in a shorter time frame.
2: And I only asked this because you were just kind of you you told us coming on, hey, I just listened to you talk to Doug, but you know, one of Doug's points was they had an internal uh technology success group. Um, so they, you know, a lot of people do count on the external technology success group. They, like you said, they start with the external developers too. Is that something that you guys are pursuing as, as you're, you're, you're sort of starting to dip your foot in the,
4: the development space? Uh, loosely, I, I am the champion for our internal technology success. But We are
2: looking at your internal technology yeah. success.
4: <laughs> but, but we do have a team that I interact with regularly. Uh, recently, one more resource that I kind of added to that specific development team that's been helping implement other technology for our field. Uh, I said, you know what? I don't know why I think about the standard, but Sarah would be a great addition to the team. Um, so she's now helping with Implementation of this, you know, homegrown app to the field training and feedback. So hopefully that adds some additional pace to getting to the finish line.
2: Has she been able to talk to you, kind of give you an idea of how that's going? Because I think one of the things I noticed when I started working in app development is I learned why customer success is so difficult. Like I didn't have any concept of why it might be as difficult as it actually is Mm -hmm. until I had something to support. But
4: anything fun? She's just got on board. I will say that I've taken the product manager out with me to job sites to actively interact with the people who are using it. We've brought, you know, our field supervisors in that will be learning how to use it to talk about different things. So there's been a lot of good feedback on the workflow of what we're doing, other ideas that might be interesting to add, if if not for production somewhere down the road, certainly at roadmap items, but, you know he's the team's gotten some good feedback out of the interaction with our, our field forces that are the ones we're expecting to use it the most.
1: Yeah. Those are apps are great until you get those pesky users. Right. And then they yeah. want things <laughs> and they expect it to work. I think it's great though. I think that, that the way that you've, you phrased that is perfect. Um, I, I, I am still always curious about those, those companies that bring it, especially the in-house development. Um, you know, we've, we've, outsourced a few times when it comes to development, but to actually bring it in, I mean, that's a, that's a serious commitment.
4: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a relatively small team, but the things that are getting done, we have much more control over uh, our initial venture to the third party developer. And it was a U.S. company, but all their developers were based in India. So the, the time difference just made it very hard to communicate and make sure things were always staying on track. So bringing that in house and then having one nearshore development resource added to that team has has made a a lot more uh, improvements to the the whole process for us.
2: Did that seem like a logical next step, or were you just getting what you want? Because I am working with some clients, and and I got to say we're we're building. Um, but when I meet with them, I'm always kind of encouraging them, like, "Who's going to pick this up when I hand this to you?" Um, because there's, there's always updates and there's always bugs and there's, you know, we can fix them, but I, I feel like there's a level at which, you know, paying somebody a lot of money outside to fix problems that you could fix internally. just doesn't make sense.
4: Yeah. The other thing I hadn't thought about not being in the development world and and we've talked about it, you know, as we're going through the processes, all right, well, like you said, once we're in production, there's. Tech debt, there's bugs, there's everything else, but there's just general DevOps concerns. Like we got to make sure this thing's up and running and doing its thing for it to be effective.
3: Uh, Yeah, that is that is music to my ears because you can't, and I can't tell you how many times during my consulting career I came across folks that were like, I'm like, okay, so what's your dev environment look like? My laptop. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. What's your, What's your testing environment look like? my laptop, I'm like, Oh, have we talked user acceptance testing? <laughs> no. And then you're like, uh Oh, this is going to be dangerous, right? Tech debt, bugs, backups, rollback. I mean, these, these are all there's blocking and tackling in that world.
4: Yeah. There, there's even things that I, I thought would have been reasonable to assume in development that our third-party developer wasn't doing like keeping logs of things that were going on. And when we brought it in house, it became a lot more apparent that they were missing out on, on a lot of these opportunities to do you know best practices in development okay. uh,
3: Like putting a comment Jonathan in the in the in the code change. Uh, yes, oh. uh, I was just talking about that and in object reference not sent to the instance of an object. Uh, maybe somebody should do some error handling. I don't know. like these are things you need. Um, oh, yeah. and that's that's back to the old days. So, looking forward, Todd,
2: given that you have some developers, um, and 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 I think Jeff tipped me off when he said uh notes in the code because I've been using um large language models to go through code and just add notes because because everybody forgets notes, mm-hmm. um, but. But have you been looking at the large language models? Are you are you intrigued? Have have some of your developers started to look and say, say, hey, is this something that 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 we're going to start looking at using some of uh,
4: the AI? It is it is not something that we have put serious thought behind yet, but we've had some discussions about it.
2: Yeah, so it's down the road still for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: My developers have been the biggest pushers of that for me because they're the ones that are using it every day, on and on, trying to to sort of dial in code that that would have taken them hours before, but now they can they can almost ask somebody else to do it. Yeah. Um, so, um, innovator of the year when 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 you guys are looking at innovation inside of Allison Smith what are you trying to accomplish with the people that 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 you have there what what are your goals within sort of what you're doing with technology but but specifically with with sort of driving innovation because you said you try to have a culture of problem solvers
4: mm. yeah we we try to empower the people that are working for us to you know get shit done yeah <laughs> it if, if that were the initials I put on my business card, I'd probably get a lot more work because everybody would be asking what GSD means. Well, it means get shit done. Yeah, uh, yeah we <laughs> we do have a hard time finding recruiting and getting the right people because we are looking for a very specific type of person outside of the general support people that we all need in our offices. And we still expect things out of them as well in the, in that culture. But the the people that are really driving the bus Uh, We expect highly motivated uh, people that are willing to ask the questions when when they don't know the answer. And one of the other great things I love about the company is our management staff is a mix of people educated from the field and people educated from college or university. So having that combination of people to help solve our customers' unique problems really lends a, an extra level of expertise to the company. You know, what's funny
2: about that that last thing you said is um, I was standing in front of a, a group of contractors and there was an engineer up in front of us. And um, he said, you're really not here to build things. You really just like to solve problems. But the contractors I were with just started laughing and they're like, no, we like to build things. We don't like any problems. In fact, our day without problems is a much better day. And and I think that that the when I walked away from that, it was at Autodesk University. What I really thought was, hey, man, the people that build want to build and the people in the office, if you can get problem solvers there, you can make the people who build life about building and and you can enjoy, you know, as an engineer, I'm the same as you, man. I like solving problems. Mm -hmm. Um, But but. But I, I I thought it was an interesting dichotomy that that, um, the the people in the field that we thought I was sitting next to at least, were like, no, we don't want any problems. We just want to build things.
3: Uh, I think, Jonathan, I was arguing with you over that one day. It's like, I, I think we yeah. think our industry is about problem solvers. I just yeah. I honestly think that that's by necessity. It's yeah. by so, necessity, yeah. So I'm wondering, well, Todd, where where you want your problem solvers uh, in that continuum, right? It's a, it's an interesting continuum, right? If you're problem solving early to enable flow and you know good production levels, that's different. So tell me how you guys balance. Like we want you to be problem solvers, but we don't want to just have a whole bunch of problems.
4: Yeah, it's it certainly a, a proactive approach. Uh, some of it's through you know historical data on projects we've completed before uh other things are just getting the teams together and start talking about what we're going to do some projects allow some time for that to happen a lot of what we do doesn't so we're always playing catch up but we still want to try to interject that thought as soon in the process as we can Mm -hmm. so that we can at least minimize the the potential risk that are out there
0: i think part of you know the innovative side too and what you're with like the software group, what some of these, these like new edgy groups within a contractor do is, you know, as a company, you're solving problems for a customer, right? And you have people out there that are, that are hunting these problems down, which would be the salesman or something. And, you know, your team dispatches and solves the problem. Um, You know, these groups that you're installing are, are solving problems for your company. You know, your, your company is kind of the customer and the, um, provider. Um, I guess my question is you, you have these people that are solving the problem. Do you have people that are out there hunting for the problem? I mean, who's feeding the problems to, uh, to this team. I mean, you know, they're, they have to find the things that, that need fixed or need solved. Right.
4: Yeah. that That's a, a great, I, I wish I could say, yes, we have problem hunters, but, um, we, we don't, uh, at least not people specifically assigned to that. I'm, I'm sure people stumble across them and bring them up. Uh, your point was great, though. Uh, we our internal customers are just as important as our external customers. Uh, so the, the and we've had discussions with all the different departments in our company about the importance important roles they play. But every single one of us that works in the office is supporting the field, including me. So if we're not all, you know, doing our share of the workload and making the problems less for those in the field, then we're not going to make as much money and we may not stay in business. So if if something is more administrative and more cumbersome, you know, I'd like to find a better way to do it. But if somebody has to do it, I'd rather be at one of the support people in the office than the men and women in the field.
0: Yeah. So an open line of communication. I mean, so you're you know, your boots on the ground, your field team are your problem hunters, right? I guess they're problem hunters and problem solvers. They get to do it all. Yeah. They're solving a problem for the customer, but they're hunting problems that they have, right? So, but
4: yeah, and and uh, I'm amazed at how broken communication often is, but it, if individuals, whether it be our project managers, our field supervisors, the apprentices, whoever it is, take a moment to have a conversation with somebody and And it doesn't take very long to figure out where someone's pain points are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It it would be nice if we'd start to take more proactive stances towards that. We are in other areas. It just seems like that's one that's neglected. Yeah. and
0: Yeah. I think that that's important. I always, I always, it started as a joke, John. I don't know, you and Jeff probably remember some of the, some of the older innovation conferences where we, we chatted and, um, I think Britton Langdon was in on the conversation too. It started as a joke where it was like, well, what if we just had an email address at the company that said, what sucks yes. at blah, yes. blah, blah, mechanical.com. Mm-hmm. And we were joking. Yeah. And then everyone kind of stopped and they're like, it's actually not a terrible idea. You know, like, like yeah. obviously there'd be some filtering, uh, you know, you're, yeah, it's a construction yeah. company, right? You're going to get some, uh, you know, you'll yeah. get one that's like you do. It's like, yeah, okay. I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um <laughs> But yeah, it, it started as a joke, but but to the point of what, what you're talking about, these teams, these problem solvers need to know what to solve. And I think the perfect people in the company to to relay that, you know, comes from the the doers. You know, if I make their life easier, they're gonna make me more money. Right. Yeah,
4: absolutely. I mean, and it, it's being present and intentional when you're interacting with your field teams is a key to getting there. Uh I've I've sent several emails out with communication guidelines on how you should interact with different people and you know most of that starts with listening to the person that you're communicating with.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we spend a talking lot of time talking listening.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. That's uh the- we we I I mean I I will tell you I was down last week and we we released a little uh a little bonus episode in between the Doug Smith one and, and this one around the so Built conference. And that was one of the things Jesse Hernandez and, and Jen Lacey did this emotional bungee jumping with us. And basically the whole thing, Todd was like, this is how you interact with someone. And, and I don't want this, that to sound condescending. Cause honestly, I learned a lot, especially as a problem solver. Right, like I think each one of us in these fields, innovation, technology, we're we're problem solvers. Like if you, Todd, you come to me and and tell me something, my natural reaction is to tell you how to fix it. That's not that's not how you interact. It's not. It really isn't. And and sometimes it's not easy. So you know what you're what you're doing is going to those softer skills to allow people a, to get to some of their own and get their own thoughts out and have a little bit of empathy, but also, um, for you to really listen.
4: Yeah. Yeah, The the other thing I think about and how we communicate with people is technology has given us a lot of benefits on being able to do things like this and communicate people that are nowhere near you. Um, But it's still very important, particularly when you're dealing with your internal teams, to be there in their face and on the job site, in the office, at least some of the time to see what's actually happening and and get that information. i talked to it about uh, people that are we're looking to hire, you know, recruiting for the office. Ask, So what's your work at home policy? And the the honest answer is we don't really have one. No official policy. Yes, we do have people that work from home at times, but our preference is for people to be in the office because if you're not, you're going to miss out on what I like to call accidental collaboration. You're walking by through the office and hear somebody talking about a problem that you had in your job. You might be able to give them an answer on how you dealt with it, or you might want to know an answer to how they're dealing with it. It, It's hard to do that with a you know, online that's communication so, all the time.
0: That's so funny because when all this started, you know, I think people like to point the finger at, peop- at people or at, you know, because when this all started, it was the work from home thing seemed like a genius idea because everybody was like, well, we'll get rid of the water cooler where they're standing around wasting everybody's time. <laughs> and then you go through this whole exercise and now they're like, we need people at the water cooler where they're solving problems. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's come full circle. It's like, maybe they weren't just bullshitting every time they were at the water cooler. Maybe, maybe they were actually doing some collaboration and work, you know? Uh,
3: it, it, well, it, Trent, you're nailing it. Cause it, this, is, <laughs> this goes to the AI and chat GPT conversation as well. Right? Like there's this rubber band effect where it's just like, guys, it's going to snap back a little bit. Right. It's like, in the middle because we had this the truth two,
0: always lies in the middle in right? the middle because i worked in out
3: i worked in tech and and was young in the at the time when i joined the development world and as we were going from waterfile to agile and it was like oh we need to get rid of these offices and we need to open it up and we need to collaborate and we need to be together and then it was like we need to buy everybody headphones so they can't hear everybody. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, some people need offices. It was like, yeah. ah, crap. And, but maybe then we again, you need to
0: let people be people and maybe just the, the people that really give a shit, just kind of let them care and do it, their thing. It, it, yeah.
3: Intentionality and creating environment for that to happen. Cause there was a moment where I heard somebody say like, Oh, well, I've never run into that before. And I was like, I have, Hang on. Yeah. Let me grab you. Yeah. And and fix it. And like within seconds. And it was like, oh wow, that's that's where this works, right, Todd. So there has to be a level of intentionality around that. Cause you also then don't want to lose that person who's a primary caregiver and needs the flexibility Absolutely. and has to, you know, has to be at home for a period of time. And your choice is no or yes. No, the answer is yes. I want you. But yeah. then I want to create an environment that fits you where you do get here and have connection and, and purpose and, and, and community with us
4: as as an organization. Well, and and at the end of the day, if it's the right people that you're hiring or working with, that there's a a solution to whatever life happens, problems occur.
3: Uh, There's a time for a problem solver. Yeah right? Like yeah. you're a great employee. You've got X happening. Let's solve that problem. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm infuriated a little bit with big tech coming out and saying, no, it was an experiment. Was it? Sam <laughs> said it's an, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, open AI CEO uh sam altman said oh this this the end i posted it today the end of this uh remote work from home experiment and i was like man i think you should take that large language model and maybe put some of the things you say through it first
0: (laughs) maybe he did Maybe
3: that's (laughs) (laughs) gpt decided
2: todd you're working from the office (laughs) you know what's interesting though is when we were talking to christina and you just came back from that that summit jeff is is they were talking about the the just massive amount of loneliness that's going on, and the fact that what we're missing is is in part community and belonging. and And there was de- there's definitely your work community, and we can get along with each other digitally. That is wonderful. Like I have groups that are entirely digital. I actually have employees that I never met, um, and 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 I and I hope to meet them soon because I haven't been on long enough that I feel that guilty, but but I haven't met and in. You know, I'm never going to know them the way that I will know them after meeting them for even a weekend, for even a day, for even an hour. So I, I think what you bring up is is really important. That, that, like, coming out of, of, of sort of that, having an open attitude about where you work, but also saying, "Hey, listen, we know what the best practice is, and the best practice is come spend some time in this community. That's why we built this community."
4: Yeah, absolutely, and I don't want to lose this train of thought um, only because I heard. Jeff talking about agile construction and waterfall. Like the theme song for agile construction should be "Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls" by TLC. Oh yes, yes, it should be. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, didn't we do this? Like a, yes, we, we did. did. It's a an whole, episode. Dad, yeah. look back. We I have an, we episode did an episode called yeah. "Don't Go
2: Chasing Waterfalls," and it's literally
3: about that. Please you, you, stick to the agile it, dude. and the processes that you're used to. I forget what did we
0: call it. Or was See, we called it that <laughs> it was a presentation at uh innovation wasn't it
2: yes it was also at so that actually ties in perfectly though to, to the next question i wanted to ask you know trent was talking about innovation because we have been going to innovation for i don't know like close to a decade you have gone to innovation twice electricals haven't ever been there before mm-hmm. so and then you you won an award so you're obviously doing it right but like what did you think of it like like what was your impact coming away from that that's really the only time and in, in literally in history that has probably been that that all of the trades have come together for an event that is this impactful you know what i mean like, like that's really focused
4: sure. yeah uh for me it it was kind of Almost like, how come we weren't doing this sooner? Like, when you think about innovation, like this, this is what we sh- we all should have been driving this train in construction much earlier th- than we were. So, having an opportunity to participate in one and now two, uh, it it really, I don't want to say opened my eyes, but it 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 broadened my network in, in the construction industry and allowed me to think about. Other things of collaborative innovation that can be done.
2: When when you talked about that accidental problem solving, or or what what did you say? say accidental, accidental collaboration. Situation. Accidental collaboration. That's what the entire innovation conference sounded like to me. Mm-hmm. It was like a bunch of people going, "Oh, we're trying to do this, but no one's doing it," and it's somebody next to them going, "Oh, we've been doing that for five years," and and. The, the, and it was just as many electricals as it was everybody else in sheet metal, too. Like everybody developed their expertise and people really, really collaborate around that. And a lot of it wasn't in the classes, it was in the hallways, it was in the bars and it was in the events. Um, that, that last one that you were at, the one that we were, we, we just had, um, did can you think of anything that was like a major takeaway for you, a major, major move that, that you came back and said, I'm actually going to make some changes? um, based on it.
4: Well, uh, I was thinking about reducing my waist size. So the belt fits better, but. <laughs> uh it, it, it really is. Um, I don't want to call it major. Cause I was thinking about the same stuff from the previous one, uh, interacting more w- with the other trade partners with more of an open mind about things. That, that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, you know, sitting in some of the classes or talking to some of the other trades outside of the, and the halls or in in the social events, you know, seeing how, how they're doing some things and sometimes asking a question. Um, (laughs) Good, good question, Trent. Sorry. (laughs) Ruined my train of thought. (laughs) This is what happens when Trent
3: tries to make the guests multi. You know, all the
0: cool stuff that Todd just said, Trent, you just ruined it. Right.
4: (laughs) But, yeah, fu- functionally, you know, sitting there and, and getting a chance to speak with the di- different, you know, trade representatives, there were some things I was like, huh, how come you're doing it that way? And, and there were good answers about, you know, whether it's how they're staging material or delivering things to the job site. A- and then there were other times where I was like, well, yeah, um, that's I see why you're doing, but could, could you do it this way? You know, those, those kind of thoughts popped in my head. Like, I think I think they could be doing they're doing this Whatever all this other stuff they're doing is awesome, but I think they could be doing this part of it better. And and having an opportunity to have those conversations, I think, is kind of the coolest part.
2: Yeah, I, I saw a ton of that. I, I, I actually part of the thing that I thought was so fun is there was a lot of people there that went there, and I felt like they were insecure about what their company was doing technologically, like like and what their processes were. And after listening to the other people, they were like, "No, no, no, we have answers. We can, we can, we can help you. We've we fried this. I know, I know." Even when I went there the first time, um, back when it was starting, um, I was lucky enough to go to like one of the very early ones and there were people up there on the stage you know saying here's here's the major problems we're trying to solve and at my table there was like three people going we've been doing that for 4 years here let me stand up here and tell everybody how to solve this um so so i i, I think that it it opens it up like what do you think um it's likely to look like in, in a in a couple innovation conferences. Do you feel there's like something it's growing towards or do you see anything that 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 it should maybe start to implement or or, or work into the conference?
4: Uh well first I'd like to see more electrical participation. I know we, we grew first year, second year like that we've got more people showing up. I, I really think it's a good thing for uh the you know other Nika contractors to come participate in from a standpoint of the future growth and benefits. It, it's a, a holistic approach to how the MEP trades handle construction and, and maybe some joint best practices. You know, I, I know we've worked on the construction lifecycle with you, and you've done a similar thing with MCAA. You know, coming together and and having now a all right, here's here's how the best way we think. From experience to tackle these different things and and to really leverage taking control of the projects more than we do already
2: you know todd i'm hanging out with the mcsa and we're doing something similar and i'm I'm like looking at them like hey there's this conference (laughs) yeah (laughs) now a lot of them are already going to it because mca and mcsa kind of overlap but i was like hey you know bringing service contractors there to look at prefab to look at the shops to yep. look at what we can do with modularization you know i, I i'd love to hear the voice um and they're the ones that are solving problems they're like uh they go out to an emergency they don't even know what the emergency is trent was laying it out for me he used to do a lot of service work he's like mm-hmm. we get there and it's like is it on fire okay put out yeah. the fire all, all right. right now if, if
0: yes then do then okay yeah. i know if no then all right let's let's go yeah it's uh but the cert- I mean, what a perfect entity to add to all of this because it's the missing piece. yeah, it's The missing piece in all of this. Like, mm-hmm. I think my vision of the innovation conference down the road is going to be, you know, we talk about project delivery methods. You, you know, we go to these advancing prefab and all the other, you know, conferences that are out there. They're talking about design build and DFMA and IPD, integrated project delivery is the big one. I think to me, this stuff leads you. You're getting all of these contractors that have dedicated to being innovative and good at what they do. We're bringing them together. I think we're going to build these IPD alliances um, with these contracts. I think they're going to, I see them putting together these teams that do that integrated delivery for projects. Like what stops Allison Smith, you know, an electrical in Atlanta meeting with, a mechanical in Atlanta that's doing the same thing and um and forming that and then going after projects together in a, in an integrated way. I'm being smiled at. What's uh
4: you, you, you don't build back America better in D.C. You you do it together, working with your other teams.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I was smiling because you're hitting exactly.
0: What I what I think we need. I was like, oh man,
4: is there like a no? It was like something, or I don't know. No, you got got a a bugger hanging out of your nose. It's all right. (laughs) No, No, we'd let him go the whole
3: show with that.
0: (laughs) I just saw everybody was like, oh no, something.
3: No, I I would agree with you that the cohorts is what I'd call them are coming. um I think they have to actually. If you if you really take a step back and look at it, like. The consolidation is real. It's happened in every other industry. Um, will it happen in our industry? It's questionable. Um, will it happen at certain cohort levels? Maybe. Or can you actually maintain what I think the the highest level of value, Todd, is that like your electrical focuses on what you do and you're damn good at it. Um, But partnering with a mechanical that has a very similar and – um. I would say symbiotic approach to what they do. And instead of what we do now, where we have these distinct lines, you blur those lines as an organization and solve it. That's yeah. very different than than these conglomerates we've seen where you buy up an MEP. I think that's gonna happen too. I mean, it is. Yeah. I'm I'm not it's not not, it's not oh, I don't it really is think that. it's gonna happen. It's happening. In fact, some of them are growing them in-house. So I I'm interested too in. Um, this might be the first playground um, where you as an electrical get to challenge our our smackna friends and tin knockers and get to challenge the mechanicals to think the way you guys do a little bit. And I'm wondering where, where you've seen that um, have a benefit maybe on both sides um, or where you want to see more of it, right? Like next year's innovator of the year. Um, that's you know going to take the crown from you if you could if you could have them be working on anything what would it be around that
4: yeah uh, you know it, it, and you bring up some great points there's not one right answer to how that's done um, I I tend to lean towards the cohorts and collaboration more than the buying up an MEP and doing all this one stop shopping only because I feel like there's thought master one ring to rule them all so to speak yep Um, and you know my problems electrically are not always the same as the other trade partners problems they might be related but the approach to the problems could be different as if we get together and talk about it um, there may be a, a reason why taking one of the other trades approaches to a Related problem is better.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I I agree with you. I want to throw something else out there, and that is that that in every firm there's like a department or a division that is sort of the redheaded stepchild of of the company, and that never develops the way it should. If it was an independent company having to really spend for itself, it does. And and so I, I watch some people buy up some some things that, you know, as they're buying this piece, whether it's a sprinkler piece or something else, like you're not interested in that work. You just want to close some gaps. You're not going to give it the 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 uh, the dose of reality, I guess. Maybe it needs to survive. So I, I, I very, very much agree. Yeah, well, that that's
0: where you should go. I don't think it directly solves the problem, right? A lot of times in these projects, it's like, why do I want to own that piece or that scope? because the people I've worked with in the past have gotten in the way of me doing the scope that I'm good at, you know, I'll use the, it's like, I'm really good at mechanical systems, but that damn electrical contractor that I work with over and over again, gets in the way of me being as modular or as efficient as I can. So I think that they think if they go out and buy it and do nothing with it, but own it now they're like, well, now they're going to work together and it's going to be fine. it's like
4: magic magical
0: no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> If, if you just found the one that that's good at what they, I mean, I think that's the, I mean, I don't think you need to own
4: it. You just need to work with the right people.
3: Yeah. yeah but, Jonathan, your point's good. and feeding uh, is, is very different. Go ahead, Todd.
4: I was going to say the, the other part of that, you know, we talked about internal and external customers and, and communication with those that our our cohorts could be in between customers and, and we still need to make sure we're effectively communicating with our other partners on these projects, which and we've all had projects where that's gone really well. And you're like, man, I wish every project would go like this, but a lot of them don't go that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and, and we certainly have an easier time of going with the good ones. I wanted to bring up something that, that was kind of weird that I realized we were talking about. About three innovations back, um, Sean McGuire invited a general contractor to mix in with the entire innovation system. I remember I sat next to her. I think she came to two um, and her takeaway was insane. Like she was bouncing off the walls with happiness at understanding us. Do you, what do you think Todd of, of maybe uh, inviting an architect, an engineer, a couple of, not enough to, 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 to make this overwhelming but like, do you think that there's value there or? or Cause we all kind of said, when I said service, we're like, yeah. And, and it's like, but if we move beyond the trades, does that, does that change the flavor
4: of that for you? Um, I think there's certainly value there. I don't want to diminish what the concept of, of the innovation conference is for MEP, but at the same time, my number one rule for communication with people is seek understanding. So if we have another person that's involved in the process, another team, whether it be the architect engineer or general contractor, and they don't understand what our issues are and what we're trying to overcome, then it's more difficult. So getting some level of involvement from those types of people, I think could definitely bring some value. Yeah. I think John, we hit on this
3: last year, right? We had the closing anti keynote was a general contractor that's very focused on understanding and educating the trade partners on what their problems are that they face, that they rely so heavily on us MEP at that conference to solve. Right. And to be play a huge role in the flow and the way that things move forward and to see our own biases and to see our own issues, but to also see their issues. And I think, that cohort idea, I wouldn't want to bring in a bunch of architects, a bunch of engineers. I think there's another wow. conference for that, right? There's a advancing IPD or, you know, whatever we can create other ones. But uh, Todd, I think you're right. Like I, as much as right now the mechanicals, electricals, and, and plumbers they are learning from each other, they could use to learn from the other stakeholders in this to learn what makes them tick, to learn, you know, it's so interesting to me because I get the chance, right, to go up this chain given what I do as a day job. I'm all the way up into the owner's space. And what everybody cares about and what everybody thinks everybody cares about, that does not line up. It never has. You know, It goes to, you know, working together and being in the same space. Like, we don't know that. We can't see it.
4: Yeah, the the other thought that my had, you know, we build things in construction, but one of the most important things we do is build relationships with the people we're working with. Uh, we've done this some for some of our mechanical trade partners here locally and for some of our general contractors, kind of put on a, an electrical 101 kind of presentation about here's the things we think about when we're looking at an electrical problem or electrical project here's our pain points. Here's uh, why we do these things to so give them just a, a general basic view of, of how we approach something. So our general contractors have found that useful. You know, it was nice. The mechanical team found it useful too. And we've kind of, you know, we had them do a similar thing for us. Like, all right, well, we work with you all the time, but we don't really don't understand, you know, the details of what you do. Could, could you do a similar presentation for us? So doing those local people you work with, relationships you're building, kind of presentations, uh overcomes a lot of that. And you know, we can't lay it all down and say, all right, this is the new rule. Everybody in the country is going to do it. We have to do it community by community. And you know, it's that proverbial pebble in the pond. You get the ripple started and it it'll start heading out. Matt,
3: I, I really like that pebble and relationship because it is a relationship business right it it, that relationship goes all the way down to the job site while you're doing things if the relationship in the beginning is horrible and you get there it's gonna end horrible (laughs) it's just the way it is but if it's great then you got a shot at it continuing to be that to be that um so with that and since you are the the you know the innovation with a spark you're the electrical um Outside of say maybe some of the things we've talked about already, is there one uh to use the the term, the big hairy, audacious goal, the B Hag, um, that you would love the next electrical or maybe two down the road? Cause I man, it's it's coming up on us coming fast, <laughs> right? It's coming up quick. That you would like to see that they've really put a dent in something that, that you just know is big for electrical.
4: Yeah. Um for me and there are some people out there doing it more more than we are um, as much as I like technology I I am slow to adopt because I want it to be right but there there are people out there that have making are making more headway in the types of technology they're adopting and, and how they're doing it it's really cool so I, I'd like to see somebody along that lines, you know, highlighted for what they're doing, because it's not easy, uh, particularly because a, a lot of the technology that's out there is still very heavily geared towards the mechanical and plumbing trades. Mm-hmm. So they're they're making headway into things for electrical. But those that have found early adoption and, and success, uh, I think, you know, need, need to shine a spotlight on them.
3: That would that would be a good one. There's a there's a lean for the MEP team that's looking for that electrical innovator of the year. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I
3: tell you what, working with the electricals, working with Nika, um,
2: Tahira, who's who's leading up the innovation group, asked me who who would you pick, and I was like, I have two people that I would pick that both have done stuff that mechanicals have never done before, um, at a level that mechanicals have never attempted before, and have done it well. Um, and it's like, it, it, you're, there are areas where electrical just on the technology side, just shine. The other thing I wanted to add is, you know what? There are two artificial intelligence routing programs. Both of them are based around electrical. Mm -hmm. Neither of them want to touch the mechanical space. So I, I, I thought that was funny. Like I'm sitting around trying to convince one of these people to change their direction just for a second, like, you know, throw us a bone, you know, and. And and nothing, you know, nothing. They're just they're they're obsessed with the electricals. Trent, I think yeah, I caught you up, man. I'm sorry.
0: No, oh, no. No, no, all good.
3: Right on time.
0: Active listening.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and making sure no one's making fun of them in the background.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, man, something was going on. I had that that you know, like where you sense it. I was like, uh, oh man, <laughs> something's happening. <laughs> Well,
2: we are coming up on the end of it. Todd, is there anything that 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 you see, again, looking forward um, in innovation that you're really excited about, that, that you personally are excited about um, for Allison Smith or for yourself?
4: Uh, I, I'm personally excited about the additional levels of involvement I'm seeing, both from People in my company taking more active participation in in these different types of events, but the collaborative events. I, I I'll just go back to I think that's that's where we need to head to to make construction better. I know one of the comments I made at the last uh, MEP Innovation Conference we need we need to bring sexy back. So <laughs> t- together uh, as MEP Trades, I think there's a lot of opportunities to bring sexy back attract more people into the industry and get all these things built that need to be built in this country and and maintained.
2: Yeah. And and it it built and maintained and, and you guys, you know, we're, we're going to be leaning on you because we would like to electrify
3: in America, everything, everything, all at once right now the amount of electrification required to do and reach the goals that we have set out is astronomical oh, it's staggering
2: wow. uh, i was sitting down with distributors and suppliers and we were talking about it and they were laughing but not because they were happy just because they were like this is like a 600 percent increase in the amount of stuff you guys want done in the next year how in the world is this going to happen I, I i know we're at the end but todd like we are electrifying everything. Um, do you guys feel that?
4: Uh, it it is. <laughs> I'm hesitant about it. Um, you know, one thing. I have and when COVID hit, I was like, okay, this this is really a thing now. Oh, all right, now there's supply chain issues. I thought for a minute there would be an opportunity to work with our external customers to put realistic expectations on projects um too many times we have all been involved in projects where we've somehow pulled a rabbit out of a hat and got them something in a completely unrealistic time frame or you know are killing our people to do it and i was hoping that we could find more reason in the process uh i'm not seeing it yet with some of the other projects that are coming up electrifying america seems to be top on that list but I'm hoping there'll be some levity brought to this game. Well oh,
0: I hate You to can tell definitely tell that the uh with the 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 gang in Washington definitely um doesn't always understand you 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 can tell they don't come from a uh financial management background or well they probably manage their own quite well. But um yeah, I, I just think that it's you're you're putting a lot of chips in one in one area. I mean, the only free lunch in this world is diversification and I don't think we should ignore all of the other yeah. uh, ways about it, but yeah, it, it seems to be uh, uh, electrification is the push. I mean, I that that's, I guess that's the that's where they've decided to go. So buckle up if you're an electrician. But
4: yeah, th- there will be some auxiliary things that come out of that process. Uh, you know, more implementation of microgrids and things that will stabilize. Uh, power quality throughout the nation. That'll be good, good things, but the, the road to get there will, will be difficult.
3: Yeah. And, and asking anyone in construction to be realistic, uh, that's leaning on construction, not to ask construction to be realistic. Let me, uh, let me make sure I phrase that correctly. The, and, and look, it's not, this is just innovation, change the pace of change, the way this world works and always has. We get consistently more complex. We want it faster. You know, what Moore's Law, we want these things. I mean, we don't operate as humans on Moore's Law necessarily, but man, do we continually do that. And it is human nature to be unrealistic. We are always overestimating our capabilities to achieve because we're looking at that golden path forward. So it ain't going to happen. It just isn't. Um, I love it, Todd, and I love that we've, we've gotten the supply chain and we looked at it, but nobody went, let's get realistic. What did we do? We went, hey, let's bring onshore manufacturing. Let's bring advanced manufacturing back to the country because that's going to solve the problem. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's see how that <laughs> ship sails because, by the way, you know there will definitely
4: own- be some benefits out of it, but, yeah, there will still be new problems that arise. You have it to build it. it first. It yeah. solves a problem. Right,
3: yeah. Yeah. one of them but that's great right because that's just good yeah. that that that's the realism has to be in the cost the realism is, it has to be in the escalation and the understanding and the financial sharing et cetera that has to go on but also that pressure has uh, the consequence is going to be innovation when it comes to DFMA and prefab and robots and uh, automation when it comes to so many other areas to lift people up and get them focused on things that truly drive value forward, right? Like consistently before that pressure, when we expand, we fill that space with other crap, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
3: You give me float in my schedule. What do I do? I'm going to fill that float. Come on. so some of that natural push and pull is good um, and, and drives innovation. So you got to, you got to kind of jump on the front end of like, all right, well, here goes the ride. I, I actually had a business counselor
2: that said crisis drives growth. He says, if you want growth, create a crisis, you will drive growth. He says, just don't drive it too far because it will fall off. You can't maintain it, yeah. but it does drive growth so, and they've created a uh, an interesting environment for us to all grow in.
4: Yeah,
0: Todd,
2: nice you're gonna
4: way, say but, something there. Yeah, yeah I, I was just thinking about the, the things expanding to fill the void. I, I was having this conversation with some people in the office this week about, you know, how how labor works sometimes. That it if you give them too much of a rope or a, a space, like here's your budgeted hours. That labor's like a gas; it will expand to fill that space. Parkinson's uh, law. Yeah, it, if you give them a stretch goal, which maybe is not what you actually have in it, but not unrealistic, but it, it'll be a push. You, you might get more out of them. You know, I, we very often find that projects that linger on too long are the ones where we end up losing the most labor hours on projects that are at least a little bit fast not super fast um, and don't require seven days a week of working are the ones we do the best on because people are, are working at a pace that they have, of course, they're setting in- incremental goals. That's the other part of it. Set the incremental goals, not the long-term goals for the, yeah. the workforces and and let them, let them meet those goals and see some success and you'll get the benefits.
3: Yeah. Well said. All right. Well, we're coming to that point. We're at that point. Todd, thanks for, for sitting down with us, having a chat with us. Uh I know we uh we all kind of enjoyed having a uh, a brown liquor with you at the end of the MEP innovation. Uh yeah,
4: that was great. Year. I'll have a drink with y'all anytime.
3: Hey, well, you you are invited. You have that open invite. We will certainly be there again this year, and we will certainly be having another cocktail at that point. Um, I, I hope to be having another cocktail at that point. Um <laughs> It'll and be a victory one. Victory, uh, one, yeah. victory. Well, I don't know about victory. I think it's like instruction. As long as I pass the finish line. <laughs> Dude, that is finishing victory. an Ironman is a victory. I don't care who you are. I'm not trying to beat anybody. Just beat up on myself. Right. Um. Uh, yeah. Todd, thanks so much for, for sitting down with us. I look forward to kind of catching up uh, later on down the road and just seeing how the year goes.
4: Yeah, absolutely. This was great guys. Uh, glad to talk with you. look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah,
3: thanks for the uh, the hint on the tropical drink with the doers. I'm sure a few of our viewers yes, are going to like that. Give one. it
4: a shot. You you will come to love it. It's great by the pool. It's great by the beach. You know, just a good summer cocktail.
3: Hey, Sean McGuire, if you're listening in, we need a TG special at the uh, MEP Innovation there next go. year, all right? Right on. Like it, we'll have a we'll have a toast to TG. And by the way, I think the coconut water actually you know kind of
4: hydrates you, so it might make it the morning does. after not you're, so you're, bad. You're, you'll have a better next morning for sure yeah.
3: yeah i think I think the industry itself needs a little bit of coconut water in its tours. <laughs> uh, with that, we want to thank Todd for joining us for episode sixty six Innovation with a spark. Stay tuned. We'll see you soon.